Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. With Dan Graziano, that clip you heard of me asking Dan Graziano, Jay, mm-hmm. he guess where that was from. Terrific new show. This Handsome just in. Host. This just in. 2 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. With yours truly. Guys, Sean Payton is stepping away from the Saints. Here he was at a press con- at his press conference yesterday. Without any angle relative to, hey, what is it that you're looking for? Because honestly, as I sit here today, and, and this is okay, um, I don't know what's next. And look, I, 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 I read the reports and I understand. I've not spoken to anyone from a media outlet relative to doing television or radio. Maybe, maybe that opportunity arises, but every time I read something that says like, he's in line for this job, I, I'll, I'll call my agent, Don, and I'll say, Don, did you hear something? Because I have not heard anything, and that's okay. I think I'd like to do that. I think I'd be pretty good at it. So, okay, he hasn't heard about TV jobs. I don't believe that. What about <laughs> retirement? Do you, do, come on, man. Are we ever going to believe a coach when he says he, he doesn't hear anything? He no. Meanwhile, you say you read stuff. So, <laughs> but you didn't hear it. But you read it. So, typically when you. You know why, Key? His agent's texting him. Because usually <laughs> when you. you read it. Look, usually when you read it, you typically hear it somewhere, too. He's Whatever. Te- he's uh, texted him. Here's the deal. <laughs> Here's the deal from this media outlet. This is what they want. So, by the way, here is Coach on his retirement and his, and, and his future in coaching. I don't like the word retirement. Mr. B didn't like it either. He always said, you know, retirement's overrated. We get sold this whole image of retirement by these investment groups on TV and golf courses and retirement. And, and so I still have a vision for, for doing things in football and, and, and I'll be honest with you, that might be coaching again at some point. I don't think it's this year. I think maybe in the future, but that's not where my heart is right now. It's not at all. All right, who's Mr. B? Benson? Mr. Benson. Mr. Benson. Yeah, Benson, yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think, he? Which part? He's so much to unpack. Like, look, he, he was talking. For, forget about the lie about he hasn't heard anything, right? I wouldn't call it a lie. I just uh, call it a... <laughs> Whatever. What? A little misdirection. Yeah, right. A play fake. Yeah, okay, a play fake. So, But what about the retirement and future in coaching? He was honest about that, I think. Yeah, because this year he takes a year off. He's going to take a year off because he wants to recharge his battery and figure out what the next best job is in the future. It could be the Dallas Cowboys. It could be the Las Vegas Raiders. It could be the Seattle Seahawks. It could be a number of teams that part ways with their head coach based on personnel control decisions. He'll coach again. It just won't be this season. Just won't be this season. And he's taking a page out of Bill Parcells' book. Coach Parcells, Cower, those guys had a long run. And you get wore out, you get tired, you just you tired. The problem is when you play the sport, you can't take off and come back. Very few people can do that. Cause typically when you take off, you get fat, out of shape, and hanging out with Max and Jay, drinking all night. As a coach, <laughs> you leaving fat and out of shape. 
So you can come back fat and out of shape. Players can't do it when they're stressed out. So it's easier for coaches to do it and hang out with their families, stay around the game by doing television. Hell, John Gruden was out with 10 years, came back. Dick Vermeil, out forever, came back, won Super Bowl. So it, it can be done, and they know that. You know, you say, well, he left all the money. Where's the money? What I would say is he's going to get that money regardless. That $45 million he leaves behind, his next deal will be five years, $100 million. Key, I mean, how he leverages it, and look, <laughs> to go to TV and to be premiered, and all of a sudden you just don't see Sean Payton's face when it comes time for a Saints game, but you see him calling nationally televised games. You're hearing his voice. You're hearing him actually articulate his schemes or his strategies or how he would handle the situation. It gives him so much leverage because if he's telling you how to do it and that coach's game that he's calling doesn't do it that way and it doesn't, if he's proven right time after time after again, it increases his value. And then what it does is for everybody next year, you know, if any organization feels like they want to upgrade at the coaching position, I mean, you're, you're, you're knocking on that door. But also I think what Key said yesterday about, <clears throat> as alluded to today, about like in the coaching fraternity, the idea that you would take someone's job, like Key, you were telling a story how you never even heard an assistant coach badmouth another assistant coach, right? The players would do that stuff. I, it, it, make, it just lines up with, Key, what you anticipated here with Sean Payton. Whether it's the Cowboys' job or another one, it wouldn't be this year, but it sounds like it will be next year. You're going to take a year away, and then especially if McCarthy doesn't really win some playoff games, like more than one, you would think. Looks like Peyton's headed for yeah, Dallas. Well, more than one ain't going to get it done. You got to get to the NFC Championship yeah, You got to get to like NFC Championship yeah. game, but lose by a 70 yard field goal. No, I'm saying, yeah, you're right, but it's got to be. Yeah, it can't be fall on your face in the NFC Championship game. No, it can't be one yeah. of those, you know, 43 10 NFC Championship games. No. I'm just saying. Like for- I said, the Cowboys are like what Fran Fashilla always said. I said this year, they're a year away from being a year away. Yeah, Dak Prescott, though, to me is the key there with with Sean Payton. Dak Prescott is a very good quarterback. I think that we all see the same thing. He's going to be a great quarterback. I disagree with those who think he already is. I don't think he's elite. There are a bunch of guys I'd take before him. But if I had Dak Dak Prescott as my quarterback, I already tried Jason Garrett. That didn't work. Okay, we know Dak is good. Let's get another. Mike McCarthy, if that doesn't work, I'm looking at the defenses fixed now, and we got a lot of pieces there. I'm looking at the offensive line and the skills positions and and the quarterback. At a certain point, it's not just is it the coach or the quarterback, which one, let me get my phone. It's which coach can take this quarterback to the next level. To me, Sean Payton's available. It's the biggest no-brainer. Just go get that dude. It's a no-brainer. No-brainer. It, it's it's he's the best coach that would be available next year. Um, I'm trying to think if Bill Belichick was available and Sean Payton's available. Who would you take and don't mind the rings? Leave the rings mm. out of it. Maybe for maybe for Dak, I would take Sean Payton. I'm just talking about because the age. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm talking about age because you can get caught in the Super Bowl glory. 
mm-hmm. of things. Well, and, and also, like, you know, the, the quarterback stuff. I mean, although, Bill, listen, Belichick, not only Tom Brady, but Matt Castle wound up getting a big deal, right? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm just thinking about year. the age. Like, who would you take based on age? Like, if you wanted a long-term success. Look, I, I suppose it's, you can't ever say no to Bill Belichick. But he yeah, ain't available anyway. Yeah, he won't mm. be available So, anyway. like, Sean Pitt, so, so imagine Bill Belichick, put him aside. He's the best ever, the whole thing. You can't do better than Sean Payton. You might prefer Mike Tomlin. You might prefer another guy, Harbaugh. So you may, for whatever reason, you may prefer another guy. But they're but all the same. Yeah, they're you can't say he's better. Mm-hmm. He's the next thing to. But when, when Jerry Jones key says, "Look, Belichick is different," right? I wonder if Sean Payton and one of the reasons you made your list and your one through five was Belichick one, Reed two. Uh, uh, Tomlin three, Sean Payton four, and who'd you have five? And Harbaugh five, right? I wonder if being top five rises to the level Jerry was talking about in terms of if that guy's available, I want him in here, right? I think he does, but does Jerry? I think Jerry, Jerry, Jerry going to try to get it done if it makes sense next year. If it makes sense, he's going to get it done. Keyshawn J. Willemax is brought to you by Pylon. Weather looking nasty? Don't change your plans. Change your wiper blades. Michelin wiper blades use advanced technology to hug your windshield, to channel away water, snow, and ice so you can see clearly and drive confidently. Upgrade to Michelin wiper blades available on Amazon Prime. Breaking news, former slugger David Ortiz, Cooperstown bound, elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens fell short of the 75% threshold in their final year on the ballot. Bonds got 66%, Clemens 65.2%. Keyshawn J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, and we welcome in now the great Tim Kirkchen, ESPN MLB analyst, of course. Tim, good morning. How are you, Max? How you doing, fellas? Hey, Tim. Doing well. Not as well as David Ortiz, a uh, lightly regarded but serviceable left-handed platoon hitter in Minnesota who um, became one of the greatest hitters of all time in Boston, elected into the Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility before I get into the comparisons of who got in and who didn't get in. Just your thoughts on Ortiz getting in. Well, I voted for him. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, You look at the three rings he won with the Red Sox, 10 All-Star games, 541 homers, and a 931 OPS. He's one of seven guys in history that have those two numbers. You look at his postseason numbers, they're stunningly good. 2013 World Series, he hit 688 when the rest of the team hit under 200, he was the primary reason that they won that World Series. And when you think about the history of the Red Sox, and it's a pretty rich history, Ted Williams is obviously the greatest player in the history of the franchise, but you can at least make a case for what he did with the Red Sox, that David Ortiz is second, at worst third behind Carl Yastrzemski. That's how important he was to that franchise, which obviously hadn't won since 1918, and then he helped them win three times. That's who David Ortiz is, and that's why he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Tim, what are your thoughts on Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds not getting in on their last opportunity and chance on the ballot? Well, I'm certainly not surprised. Um, Now, I voted for Bonds and Clemens 
every year they were on the ballot. And I'm not suggesting I'm right about that, but it just, just to me, there was this tacit agreement back when they played that, you know, they're not testing, they're not checking, all sorts of guys are doing this, and you're going to get away with it. So a lot of people were doing it. And I think that differentiates those two from the post-2005 guys who were told, all right, we're checking, we're testing, there's suspensions in line. I think they're in a different category. But I, I understand people who would say they're all in the same category if they did PEDs. It's a very tricky situation. But it, it comes down to this. Barry Bonds is the greatest hitter I've ever seen. And for me, after Babe Ruth and Ted Williams, he's the greatest hitter of all time. Roger Clemens is, for career value, the best pitcher I've ever seen. And you could at least make a case that after Walter Johnson, he's the greatest pitcher of all time. And those two guys are not in the Hall of Fame. And that is a confusing situation, to say the least. But they will probably get a shot on a special committee this December coming up. So this story is far, far from over. Tim, I, I like I, I'm not confused. Like I, I'm Barry Bonds was a slam dunk first ballot Hall of Famer before he ever juiced. I mean, clearly at the you know, if you look at 2001 when his home run to at bat at bat ratio doubled at the age of 36 or whatever it was, it's comical and his forehead exploded. But before that, he was already <laughs> one of the greatest players who ever lived. So unless people are saying the 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 kind of ethics. But the ethical violation of cheating disqualifies you, and I'm not saying that, then he should be in the Hall of Fame pretty clearly. Clemens, a little more of a gray area. It looks to me like it was the, the you know, back-to-back Triple Crowns in Toronto where it started. He was already kind of trending toward the Hall of Fame. I don't know. You could go either way there. David Ortiz, to me, is interesting, Tim. In, in almost 500 at-bats or plate appearances at the age of 24, which we now know is pretty close to your prime in baseball, he hit he had 10 home runs. And then went bananas in Boston, right? 54 home runs, 47 home runs, like totals like that, 41 home runs. He, it just seems to me that if, if Bonds is not in when he was already had a Hall of Fame career before anything happened, Ortiz flies in on the first ballot, and, and it just doesn't – that is what's confusing to me. Like, what is the distinction that people are making? Well, I think they look at the David Ortiz connection to PEDs, and he was on a list that was supposed to be a private list, and it was made public. We're not sure exactly if he – we're not positive that he uh, failed a drug test for a banned substance. So he's on a list that has a lot of confusing elements to it. He also never had his chance to explain that in court. But – your, your point is well made, Max, and that's the tricky part. But when it comes to bonds, my dear friend Dan Shaughnessy has said this a few times. Look, if you, if you shoot 33 on the front nine and you cheat on the back nine, you're disqualified for the round. Now, my point would be baseball is different than golf. They call strokes on themselves in golf, and baseball players are encouraged to do whatever it takes to win the game. So I think that's the difference. But to repeat, I vote for Bonds and Clemens, and part of the reason is what you said, Max. Clemens won three Cy Young Awards before the late 90s when things started to happen. Bonds won three MVP awards before the late 90s. That's another reason that I vote for them. Tim Kirchin, ESPN MLB analyst, joining us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. 
Tim, how surprised were you that A-Rod only got 34% of the vote in his first year of eligibility? Well, I wasn't surprised at all because Barry Bonds and Clemens basically got 36% their first year on the ballot. Mm. And again, I'm not suggesting I'm right about this, but to me, Alex Rodriguez is even in a different category than Bonds and Clemens because he got busted twice, was suspended for a year after baseball went to a testing program, a checking program, and he still got busted twice. I think that puts him in a different category than Bonds and Clemens. And now I think his 10 years on the ballot is going to be similar to Bonds and Clemens's, uh, but there's certainly more proof with Alex Rodriguez than there is with Bonds and Clemens. What, uh, Tim, what was the reaction, though, around Major League Baseball, even though it, people will use the excuse that everybody was doing it oh, back then, that David Ortiz was actually elected in? What was the reaction? Well, I think some people were surprised, much like Max were pointing out, look, if those guys are PED users and then other guys are PED users, how does David Ortiz go right down the middle and get in on the first ballot? But to repeat, the Mitchell report in 2003, it's just not as conclusive as we need it to be. And again, he, he didn't we don't even know what he tested positive for. Was it a banned substance? That's the confusing part to me. The easy way to do this is to say, if you have a connection to PDs of any kind, you're not getting my vote. And a bunch of people vote that way. A bunch of other people say, I don't care if you have a connection to PEDs. If you're one of the 10 best players on the ballot, then I'm going to vote for you. When you put yourself in the middle, as I have, for instance, and a lot of other people have, that's when it gets dicey. And the bottom line is, this is an impossible exercise these days. It's the greatest privilege I have. I am not giving this up. But it is really difficult to try to figure out what to do with Bonds and Clemens. And then Ortiz in another category. And Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez in another category. What do you do with all these? We need some help. We need some clarity here because it's a very difficult exercise. Tim, you know what's interesting to me? That so many of the writers, and you point out like what the kind of what people are feeling, I'm sure what you're hearing and stuff like that, and when people you talk to and their thought process, they, they seem to be more um, concerned with a report, which is, you know, an eyewitness account, really, or, or a confession in a way, um, than they are like with physical evidence, even if it's indirect. For example, if someone puts on 30 pounds of lean muscle over the course of the summer, which is not possible, and their home run to at-bat ratio doubles at the age of 35, even though playing in the same ballpark, you know, like if you hear hoofbeats in North America, you can't rule out zebras, but you got to think horses first. That doesn't seem to impress the voters. It seems like they have this slavish devotion to a paper trail over their own kind of eyes, kind of... um, uh, 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 you know, comparative ability to do comparative analysis and and common sense. Well, again, this is the tricky part about David Ortiz is he was a better hitter at 40 than he was at 24. (laughs) But there are other players in this sport and only in this sport 
who are better in their 40s than they are in their 20s. There are guys who've had more homers in their 40s than they did in their 20s. That can't happen in Keyshawn's sport. It can't happen in Jay Will's sport. But in baseball, when the light goes on, sometimes it stays on and sometimes it goes out. It's really, really tricky. And for David Ortiz at age 40 to lead the league in OPS and slugging and then retire, <laughs> that, that's a stunning thing. How can he be that good at 40 and be released when he was 27? Those are curious questions. But the, the voters looked at it, including me, and in the end – I said he's he's a Hall of Famer for me, so I'm voting for him. The great hey, Jim. Tim Kirkjian, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, to say nothing hey. of Gaylord. Hey, Tim, what was Gaylord Perry's book called? The Spitter in Me. Uh, I'm not sure the name of it, but, but like Gaylord it was something Perry. like that. He just came out and admitted it. 300 wins, they put him right in the Hall of Fame. Hey, Tim. <laughs> It could happen in my sport. I could tell you some guys that was 25 and got better as they got over 30, way better. <laughs> but were Boy, they, they better when they harder. got to 40? That's the hard part. That's yeah. the hard part. 40 is different than 24. I agree. They must have practiced harder in their 30s, I guess. The great Tim Kirkjian, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, me and the Spitter, it was called. An autobiographical confession. Gaylord Perry. ESPN Major League Baseball Analyst Extraordinaire. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, fellas. See you. Uh-huh. How the Packers players might feel about Aaron Rodgers. That's next. Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Keyshawn J. Will and Max, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Keyshawn J. Will Max, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Say, play ESPN on your smart speaker. Download the podcast. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Kenny Clark is with us now. Good morning, Kenny. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good, man. What's up, KC? What's going on, Keith? Nothing much. I didn't think I was going to be talking to you until February 14th, the day after the Super Bowl, celebrating your victory. But with that being said, you guys went to two straight NFC title games, but couldn't advance this year. How much more disappointing was this season compared to the last two when the clock struck zero? Um, I mean, I think it's it's very you know disappointing. Um, just every year, you know, our goal is to is to win a Super Bowl. Um, you know, and and this team that we had, 
uh, just really feel like we had we had a you know very talented team, um, you know, and and a lot of spots of our our defense, a lot of spots of our offense, and uh, for us not to be able to get it done um, and lose in the uh, division round, you know, that's, that was disappointing for sure. Um, but you know, it is what it is. We gotta you know figure stuff out and move on from it and, and uh, get better for next year. Kenny, as a player, how do you navigate or balance all the chatter from the media and from people around the organization about Aaron Rodgers on a day-to-day basis? How do you deal with that? Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you really don't know, you know, what's what's being said or, or you know, what's, what's going to happen. So, um, you know, my job is to come in there and, and to work hard every single day I go into the facility uh, so I mean the the all the chatter and all that kind of stuff. You know, you let that stuff just just go and and you know let everybody talk and, and do and do what they do. Um and and you know whenever whenever reality kick in and uh, our team is assembled and and you know we get to OTAs and do all that kind of stuff. You know we we, we go out and play and um, so I mean all that off-season chatter and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's that's just what's going to happen. You know, we the Packers. We got um, Aaron Rodgers and, and, you know, a lot of great players. So, um, you know, we, we don't always be, you know, a topic of discussion about a lot of stuff. So, it just is what it is. Kenny Clark, Packers defensive tackle, two-time pro bowler, joining us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Um, KC, I know, you know, I know the Aaron Rodgers situation is such that you probably have gotten tired of talking about it over the last year or so, and even just now when Jay asked you about the drama that's going on. When you look at it, though, how distracting as a player was it going into the season for you guys not knowing who's coming and going at the quarterback spot? I mean, at the end of the day, every every year, you know, it's a lot of a lot of, you know, your, your team isn't always going to be the same. You know what I'm saying? And, and you understand that. And that's why, you know, that's why, you know, this season was so, you know, disappointing. This season was so, you know, it hit us, hit us pretty hard because, you know, the guys that we had in our locker room is just every year it's, it's not going to be the same. So, um, I mean, like, like I said, it's just, you know, it, it is what it is. We got to we gotta figure some stuff out and, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, to talk with about you know a rod and all that kind of stuff you know just respect his process you know he got to do do whatever what's best for him and his family and uh you know whether whether he with us you know we're gonna love him and, and, and play with him if not we got to respect it and and move on and uh and go play ball and you know something about uh slowing up offenses what what did the niners do do you think that slowed down rogers and, and your offense um just you know they they have a uh, very good, you know, defensive line. Um, their front is is very good. Um, you know, I just think, you know, situationally, um, they did they did a really good job. Um, you know, we had a couple big plays, and <clears throat> we got in the red zone. They were able to get you know some red zone stops. Um, you know, when we got in the red zone, we had had to kick a field goal. They they blocked the field goal. They blocked the punt. Um, so they, they did a really they did a really good job situation. You know, speaking on, on our defensive side, they had a they had a good two minute and uh, you know, got into field goal range and was able to keep the game winning field goal. So um, you know, I don't think they played a complete game. Um, but uh 
uh, definitely situationally, you know, they won the battle there. Kenny, how difficult was it for you defensively to learn Joe Barry's new scheme coming over from the Rams and becoming your new defensive coordinator? And as the season wore on, it seemed like to me the defense got into a little bit of a rhythm. Yeah, uh, so, you know, at, at first, um, you know, it was a lot of, you know, moving pieces as far as, I mean, with the defense. Um, the good thing about it is that uh, a lot of our uh, a lot of our coaches from, you know, the previous um, defense coordinator, we still had a have, um, majority of our coaches back. So um, we were all comfortable. We all had the terminology uh, and all that kind of stuff. So that wasn't that hard to learn. Um, but just the defense itself, I wouldn't say it was hard, but, you know, it's just new wrinkles and stuff and, and a new way of playing de- defense that we got to understand. Um, and, I mean, I think after, you know, that that uh, that Saints game, um, you know, and, and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, we got kind of got a lot better uh, after week one um, and just understanding, you know, our run fits um, and, you know, how we disguise and do all that kind of stuff. So, um you know, I think, you know, defensively, you know, we've definitely been improving. Um, and excited about uh, everybody that, that's on our defense. Uh, got a lot of young talent on our defense um, that's stepping up and doing a great job. So uh, excited for, like, you know, our potential of our defense. Pro Bowl, defensive tackle, the Packers' very own Kenny Clark with us this morning. Thank you, Kenny. Appreciate you jumping on. Go Trojans. <laughs> Watch out, man. Yeah, I'll see I you when I get, you guys. I'll see you when I get home. Thanks, Kenny. <laughs> The potential NBA MVP went off last night, but I'll tell you why there's another player we're more concerned with right now. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Say, play ESPN. Smart speakers will put us right on. Download the podcast. So, James Harden at the Nets post-game presser on reports, just reports about him generally and his kind of feeling about the team at the moment. There's some reports out today that suggest that you might not be happy in Brooklyn or with the rotations that are happening. I'm just wondering, A, if you can speak to... Reports from who? uh, All right, then. um, Leach your report. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, 
instead of speaking to the reports, can you just talk about your experience living in Brooklyn? What do you mean? <laughs> the, the report suggested that you were unhappy. You're talking about reports. I don't, I don't know about reports. Did you guys hear from me? That's, like, that's what I'm asking. All right, so um, I don't know about the reports. <laughs> do you enjoy New York City? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, look, this is going to be something that James is going to have to deal with. Obviously, Kevin Durant not being there, Kyrie only being part-time, playing on road games. There's a lot of pressure on a guy to carry and lift the franchise even though he had a 30-point triple-double last night, uh, essentially with no offensive help outside of Patty Mills. But this is why James Harden is James Harden. Now, there are always going to be rumors, especially the ones about his relationship with Daryl Morey, his relationship with Michael Rubin, the founder of Fanatics, part owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, and what that could be considering Daryl Morey is holding out any trade talks on Ben Simmons for potential assets like Damian Lillard or James Harden. But at the end of the day, I'm telling you, I think this is going to work out in the favor of the Nets. The one thing that would keep James around, obviously, to get a lot more money and signing his free agency deal this summer, but also to win a championship. And I'm just I said it the other day. This team can play, you know, getting into that fifth, sixth seed just because naturally Katie's not going to be around Kyrie part time. Now you will have the big three on the court the majority of games if games were to go to a seven game series. And I'd much rather take my chances with Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant to play down the stretch to win the world championship. Absolutely. And, you know, you get frustrated when you don't have all your pieces in play. You don't have your guy. You see championships. I remember, man, and and Max, you may remember this. Jay, I think Jay was either in college or playing in the NBA Mm -hmm. at the time. But when Vinny Testaverde got hurt and we were the number one, we were the top favorite coming into that season to go to the Super Bowl and Vinny popped his Achilles. I knew right then and there all the hard work and sweat I put into in the in the in the offseason and training camp and preseason that that the Super Bowl chances just went out the window. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times guys like James Harden can see things slipping away despite what we might think, Jay, about the the triplets getting together and balling out. Mm-hmm. Because continuity is important. And if you ain't had that together for an extended period of time, you never know how it may go. And then comes Rick Meyer, and guess what? We wasn't going to no damn Super Bowl because our main guys wasn't there. Hmm. And, and James Harden may be seeing that slowly slip away. Not that it's too late, but when it hasn't been the way you envisioned it when you signed on and you were traded here, you like every year, like, damn, I got to go through this again? You know what, though, Keith? It's, it's all about how you manage the, the chaos, right? And like, Let's talk about this in terms of, of media because almost in basketball is similar, even though as a player you're going through it. There are cycles, right? Like January and February are the dog days. Like that's what we talk about in the league. Like, man, like these are some of the toughest parts of the season. It's always cold. It's always dark. Like, we're, we're fighting through injuries, tough times. But realistically, in order to win a championship, you want to start picking up momentum, like, right after the All-Star break. So you're telling me after the All-Star break, end of February, after President's Day weekend, if Kevin Durant is back and he's feeling better, James is hitting the ground running, Patty Mills now, things are clicking, you get Kyrie back, you know, uh, part-time like he's always been, all of a sudden you have a different vibe, a different energy when you turn the corner 
when you're heading March, April, when you're getting ready to get revved up for playoff time. And as quickly as people are talking about all this stuff now, in a month and a half from now, if they're hitting on all cylinders, we're not talking about it. And by the way, we're talking about now and they're third in the East. Right. They're what, third what it comes in down the East. to what it comes down to for this team is and the NBA is very simple. Are the Nets going to be healthy, meaning K D and James Harden and Kyrie, in the second half of the season? If the answer is yes, then I'm going to say right now, even with Kyrie playing only road games, they're going to win the championship if Harden, KD, and Kyrie get weeks and weeks of playing together heading into the playoffs. Even with only half a Kyrie, I think it's going to be too much based on what I saw last year when they played together. Guys, remember the whole thing was – they had the worst defense, the best offense and the worst defense of all time, like literally when they first got together, <laughs> literally. But after a couple of weeks, their defense was kind of middle of the pack. That's all they needed to be. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, they smoked the Bucks first game, no James Harden. Smoked the Bucks. They beat the Bucks in the second game, no James Harden. Then they hit the road at Milwaukee. They barely lose to the Bucks, no James Harden. And they played really good defense. I remember thinking after that game three, damn, the Nets are going to play defense like that? What happens when Harden gets back? Then Kyrie gets hurt. Harden comes limping back. He's not the same guy. And they still only barely lose to the Bucs. Still goes to game seven. I mean, still goes to game seven. That's the crazy part about crazy. it. That's how talented they are. Crazy. It's, that, that's going to be nuts. I just, I hope something, I have a bad feeling that I'm never going to get to see this thing really play out. Hey, I, I did want to take a quick turn before we get out of here, Key. You know, speaking of prolific scores, obviously the last two years we've gone through a lot of loss. We've gone through a lot of pain. Uh, but, but today does serve as a reminder about each and every day that we have with family, that we have with each other. Uh, today is a two-year anniversary of Kobe Bryant. Oof. And uh, we haven't really talked about it all show. And I know for me and you, Key, it always brings us to a very emotional place. I just want to pay respect again uh, to Kobe. He's the guy who was a mentor in my life, a uh, guy who pushed me in a lot of ways that he probably didn't even know he was doing just by the mannerism and the style in which he lived. And um, like I said, there's been a lot of loss over the last two years. We've gone through a pandemic. We still are. Isolation, uh, a lot of mental challenges. It just serves as a reminder today, the fortitude that man attacked his life with on a day-to-day basis Damn, that's inspirational. And if there's one thing I extract from him is that every day I wake up thinking about how can I attack my day? And I just wanted to say that, man. Yep. Well said. Um, Kobe Bryant will always be missed as a friend, as a fan, uh, all of those sort of things. I was close to him and his family, clearly. Shot my first commercial uh, ever as a professional athlete with Kobe Bryant. So those memories will always be in play. His basketball speaks for itself. His personality speaks for itself as well as his family. Vanessa and the rest of the family, if you for some reason are listening, I love you and I love the rest of the family and forever. The, the, I remember the day that I found out. I was, like I remember the moment I found out about it. I was taking, I was at basketball practice with my daughter. Hmm. And the fact that then I found out, it was him and Gianna, at, and I'm at basketball practice with my daughter, you know, and I dealt with Kobe a bunch when I lived in L.A., I text, talk, whatever. Kobe was, if not the, certainly among a handful of the most intelligent athletes I've ever dealt with, was 
philosophical, interesting, super, I don't know what his IQ was, but I could tell you just by t- sky high, right? And, and was, um, the world is a poorer place without him in it. Really a, a tragic day. Uh, so, like, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought it up, Jay. And he's also, he's, Kobe's inspired a generation. You Man. Know. Man. Uh, well, well, that's not a great way to end the show. It's well, a tr- yeah, it's you know, it, tribute to it, Kobe. No, but. it's called it, – there's appreciation, man. Yeah. Like, and I, I think whenever you go through stuff to extract appreciation and gratitude, uh, that's something to be thankful for, right? Like, make the best of your – make the most of your time. Well, he certainly did yes, that. Yes, man. Yeah, like, we made the most of this show. Won an Academy like, we'll Award. Like, you know, so, baby. Yeah, that's what yeah. we do. Yeah. That's what we do. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.